Rising Star Podcast with your host, Kelly Hughes. On today's show, I'm going to be talking with Carly Hanley. She's got a really cool video out. It's called Ooh La La. It gives me kind of retro vibes, really takes me to this kind of fantasy and, and nightclub. And we're going to talk about the making of that and hopefully the upcoming album as well. So welcome to the show, Carly. Thanks, Kelly. Thank you for having me. Did I get any of that right with the video? I was trying to kind of sum up, you know, the feeling, but to me, I guess the word retro comes to mind. I love that. Um, it's it's funny that you say that because I was pulling inspiration kind of from the time of when women were housewives back in the day. And I have this amazing, strong grandmother who went through a divorce really early on from my grandpa. And she kind of just lived life how she wanted to before it was a thing and before it was cool. <laughs> um, and that's where I pulled a ton of the inspiration from was I was like, there has to have been performers that were just doing their thing, leaving stage to go chase the man, you know, like just having fun and enjoying life. Um, and yeah, it definitely takes place in a different time period. So. Cause it makes me think of like, you know, the, the torch singers from like the thirties or forties or, you know, or like when there's a big band with a very glamorous, you know, lead singer. Totally. I love that. That's what we were going for. <laughs> Excellent. And also the pampering side. And, and you got to take a nice bubble bath, you know, before you go out. A hundred percent. I actually um, wrote Ooh La La while I was taking a bubble bath, listening to Aretha Franklin and it was the very last song that I wrote on the record. Um, and I only had one more week with my team. And so my producer, Jason Kramer, had given me the beat. We co-wrote it together. And I was just, I had like one day to write it. And I just was doing everything I could creatively to channel these amazing horns and this old timey feel and what I could come up with lyrically. And so I felt it was like a midday bubble bath, 2 PM. <laughs> and I felt the need to include that in the video. Just, it kind of all tied together that that was where the song was born. You know, I think I was looking at something online, maybe it was Twitter or uh, Instagram or um, what's the other one? TikTok. I think it was on TikTok. <laughs> you mentioned that, you filmed the video for River where you wrote the song? Same thing. Yeah, I, I guess I love doing that. I didn't actually pull that together. Um, but my single or my song River was written in 2020. I had moved back to my hometown, which is Steamboat Springs, Colorado. It's this little mountain town. And it was during the pandemic. And all I could do was go out and hike and you know, camp by myself and do anything outdoorsy that I could possibly do during that time. Um, and I spent a ton of time next to the river downtown. And I just, when that song was written, it was originally written on piano and then it became this electronic, you know, EDM cool thing, which is very representative of the town that I grew up in, just bringing out nature throughout my music. Well, do you think that isolation spurs your creativity? It definitely did at that. I mean, yes, the answer is yes at that time for sure. And now I kind of actually go back to that. I definitely spend a lot of time alone um, when I'm writing and, and try to pull inspiration from what I'm seeing and feeling. Um, but that was what was cool about river was my team was so excited to come back and I flew everyone in from Chicago and we all, 
were in Colorado for a weekend and filmed exactly where I wrote it. And it was just a cool full circle moment to be my first music video. And we're talking about Ooh La La today, but I do have to tell people uh, they do need to go back and see River too, because that was a really beautifully shot video. Thank you. They, the, my team did an amazing job. That director was Megan Marie Conley, and she really was up against a lot of odds. It hailed while we were shooting the music video in September, <laughs> and it was raining at one point, and it, people were standing in the water with all this camera gear, and it was just, it was a tough project, and, and everyone really pulled it together to make it beautiful. Well, one thing you're doing so early in your career is just establishing yourself as a music video artist. You know, these aren't just quickie videos. There's a lot of production value in them. Yeah, I actually started as a producer. That was my day job. Um, so I went to college for. So I love video production. I love photo production. And I produce all of my own stuff alongside a production team that I usually have met in the industry as a producer. So they've become my friends throughout the years, but we have worked together on brand projects. And then when it came time that I was making music, it was really exciting to be able to use that skill set and my network of amazing people to, to put something together that's my own vision instead of producing someone else's creative vision. Well, it really shows. And I'm curious, uh, when you produce for other people, is that music videos or is it other types of videos? It was not. I've never done a music video for someone else. It was always commercials or, you know, big brand food things and, and things like that. I, this was kind of a new experience as a producer and as an artist. <laughs> well, you put yourself in a challenging position because I know a lot of creative people Maybe they want to do music, but they think, well, I want to do something kind of adjacent that's creative and that'll be like a, a step in the right direction. But then they find that day job takes so much energy, they have nothing creative for their own project. That is a direct quote out of my book. That's what I was finding. It was, I, I wasn't coming home and writing music. I was working super late and then sleeping and then doing it all over again. And I actually was working super hard um, on a experiential with an experiential firm. So I was doing live events um, that were pretty boring. It was business to business events, but it was, I was pulling the creativity out of it. I was trying to, you know, make it to the top of this corporate ladder in my brain. And I actually got fired from that job. It was my first full-time job. And it wasn't really a a reason that made sense to me. It, it didn't really make sense to anyone else on my team. And it just felt like a giant slap in the face to wake up and go pursue music. It was like, why are you doing this? <laughs> You're never going to leave yourself. You know, like my work ethic was so dedicated to that fully. And I knew I would never leave. And so I'm actually really grateful for that experience because it pushed me into that place mentally that I needed to be in to start writing and and get back into music this thing that i had kind of lost for a few years and i started working at chicago recording company which is a recording studio downtown and i took a job as a secretary just to just to get somewhere in the realm of where i was trying to go and that's actually where i met my entire team who worked on this project it was all through 
that brief experience at CRC that I found my entire production team that I'm super grateful for. So it all worked out, <laughs> quitting the day job <laughs> or getting yeah. fired from the day job. Right, because a lot of times people would be so disappointed. But in the end, that was just looked like the, the kick in the butt you needed to say, it, it's time to make music. Totally. Yeah, but it sounds like besides that, you seem very self-motivated, though. I am. I still, you know, after that, I still freelance produced. So I kind of developed this um, this need to hustle and just find work and still do what I want to do while I was in the early stages of making music. And I come from an entrepreneurial family. So my mindset is always just like that no one else is going to get it done for me. You know, if someone else is busy, I'll figure out how to do it or I'll work with that person to make them be able to do it with me or whatever needs to happen. It's just a huge, like, creative problem solving mindset that I've developed over the years and am still working on, you know, that's like a, that's a hard thing that we're always growing in. And isn't that what video production is? It's both, you know, project management, but especially out in the field, you are just solving problems left and right. Exactly. And that's the funniest part about producing my own music videos is I was on stage for Ooh La La during that lounge scene. And it was actually the end of the day when we were shooting that. And I had 50 people that had come to be in the lounge and I had told them it was going to be a certain amount of time. And then we had delays, of course, like every production. And I'm up there like, okay, we need to do this shot, this shot, this shot by this time. And I'm, you know, what about this as a solve? What's the problem over there with the lighting? And, you know, I'm like, it was a weird moment where I was the artist and I was managing the project. And I luckily had an incredible team who was very patient with that, like with me finding that balance um, because I had other people kind of stepping in and, and doing as much producing as they could before they would bring things to me to try to give me the artist experience. But the truth is I, I loved every second. Like I love both. You know what I mean? I love being able to come up with solutions that's going to make their life easier so that we can all achieve the common vision of of this creative thing that we're trying to do. So you're you're a big picture person. Big picture. <laughs> I try to be. I try but, to be. But but at a certain point as an artist, don't don't you want that moment where you have, you know, a really strong director who's taking care of every little detail. So so Carly can concentrate just on one thing, her performance. I did have that experience with this. I mean, this was the only moment where I felt like I put on the producer cap and I think I probably could have not and it all would have been fine. But the, you know, strong control freak in me was like, what's going on over there? Can we, can I help, you know? But um, Jason made, directed Ooh La La and he just did a, a beautiful job and he did everything start to finish exactly how I had imagined and he, he assembled this crew of people that something truly magical happened that day. And I think that's evident on a lot of productions, but sometimes it's really not. And that was important to me that this felt like a really big single and a big moment. It's the biggest release that I've had so far and it's the biggest video. And he just really took everything with my art director, Laura Clessy, and they just did 
exactly what was in my brain. And they did let me be the artist throughout it, which was a really cool experience. And I think that shows because you can tell you trusted them and that did allow you. There has to be that point where you relax enough and kind of let go so you can, you know, let your personality shine through. Exactly. That definitely did happen through Lala. Because <laughs> one thing, you know, you do have, a, I think, a big personality and it doesn't have to be, you know, in a bold shouting kind of way, even like in the, you know, the bubble bath scenes. There just seems to be kind of just a lot of personality that comes through, even when you're not singing. Well, I appreciate that. That's a big compliment. Um, I definitely have been raised by a lot of very strong people and strong women, especially who have just built me up. And I'm the youngest of four. So I have the classic baby <laughs> spotlight experience of just everyone. You know, the age difference is, is great between my oldest sister is 15 years. And then my brother and I are only six years. So we kind of all stack and everyone has just made me feel so confident in all of my quirkiness and my insecurities. I mean, my entire life when there was any issue, I had two amazing parents and three older siblings who just, they would call, they would make sure I'm okay. They would give me their life experience. And I think all of that just really catered towards this view on life that it's okay to to go big, you know, it's okay. That's okay. As long as there's humility with that and you're thinking of other people and being kind. I mean, if you're standing in front of a camera, let's show it off. You know, that's like kind of how it's been. So I'm, I'm glad that that was shown and it's hilarious that it's in the bubble bath scene, but (laughs) (laughs) nevertheless, it, it was definitely like a risque thing that I attempted to do. Um, for my first big shoot, I'm like, I'm going to get naked and get in a bubble bath and then show all of my entire family and loved ones <laughs> that I'm doing this thing. But I felt like it was just a part of this, this character, this story, the way that the song came about. And that's what being an artist is about, right? Is just tapping into those, those experiences that make it art. Well, where do you think you fit into today's pop music scene? Personally, I am, I spend a lot of time in EDM spaces and I think that combination of pop and electronic that's definitely becoming a thing right now. And it has been for the last few years, but pushing that to the next level, you know, that's where river comes in. And, um, I have another track on my, on my upcoming album, Ruby called running. And it's just very it's very electronic-y. So I'm hoping to kind of find that happy medium in the space where it's it's a pop record for sure, but there is a fan base, I think, in there that is the same people that listen to all the DJs and go and do those things. And that's where I spend my time a lot of the time is um, trying to find that balance of like, how do I be Carly Hanley in this industry? Because being... 1000% pop is not quite that and being 1000% EDM DJ is definitely not it. So I've been trying to find that mix. And how about live performing? Have you been doing much of that this year? This year it's I recorded in um January, February, the whole thing was done in March and then I went into the music video and I went into 
kind of all of the things that go along with releasing the record. So all of my performances have been much more on the down low, just kind of working out what my stage presence is going to be and getting back into live performing. Um, so all of the big shows are going to happen after October once my album Ruby is released. Because I guess with the Ooh La La video now, you know, I'm just expecting this, you know, torch singer experience with a big orchestra <laughs> and, you know, some big old nostalgic uh, stage. That's the plan. I mean, anytime that I perform Ooh La La, I would prefer to have a giant you know, a bunch of horns, a huge horn section, a huge orchestra, everyone's in white tuxes. That was like how I envisioned that song. Um, I'm always going to be in a sparkly dress for that. It's, it's definitely, I'm really excited to perform that one, especially if I can do it with a live band where you hear all of those different instruments, that would be an incredible experience if it can happen soon, but that's the goal. <laughs> You know, and your music's a little bit different, but it kind of reminded me of some of the stuff uh, Megan Trainer did a few years back, especially she was tapping into, you know, past musical eras and kind of had this fun, nostalgic look to her. You know, when she's on stage, you could imagine a big band behind her, too. That, yeah, that is totally on brand, I think. Um Megan Trainer, not to sound corporate, on brand. Um, Megan Trainer is, I think, a really incredible artist in that she's done that kind of throughout her career. It, but it's always super relevant to the music that we're all listening to. And then she comes in, and you're like, okay, that still sounds awesome. It's still Megan Trainer, but it's also kind of paving the way for whatever the new trend is going to be kind of bridging that gap and i think you're doing that too like what what gaps would you like to bridge like would you like to be a a bridge between edm and big band or you know what what would you like to combine from a live perspective i i think of that a lot where it's i want a crazy light show i want lasers you know i want like crazy things happening and visuals and a and a full experience for my audience um, but I also want to bring people in who want to just see me sit there and play piano and sing with no lasers and no lights. You know what I mean? So I'm trying to, from a live perspective, for sure, bridging that gap would be super cool. Um, and from a, a record perspective, I think it's, it's always just about making people feel something. And so I think that this record is a representation of five years of my life living in the city. And each song is about a different person. It's about a different time in my life. You know, sometimes you have high highs, sometimes you have low lows and just going through all of that, being confident, then be, then having social anxiety, which is my next single and, you know, kind of going through all of these things. And so that gap that I want to bridge is really just for, people to sit down and listen to the record and it not just be about breakups or just be about going out and partying or whatever. Like I kind of want to create an experience that represents that time in life when everything is changing rapidly and regularly. So your next single touches on social anxiety. Yes, that comes out August 26th. 
25th, sorry, Friday, August 25th, Social Anxiety comes out. And it is that is that the name of the song too? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Wow. Okay. It's called Social Anxiety. Um, and you know, you said it yourself that I have this big personality, but the truth is, is that I'm also very introverted. I find that I get more energy by being alone and obviously writing music helps with that, but even just being alone and sitting in a quiet room and, and being with myself, um, that recharges my battery a little bit more than being out and about. And so it's been kind of this, it took a long time for me to figure that out. So it's been this struggle throughout my life. That's like, yes, I'm outgoing. Yes. I can talk to you, but do I necessarily want to right now? You know, like, do I want to be at this party? Do I want to be talking to you in the hallways of high school when really I'm just trying to get from point A to point B and I wrote social anxiety when I was sitting in an airport that was super crowded. And I think it's hilarious to say that because it's like the amount of anxiety that I was feeling in that moment actually created these lyrics that I think is actually, is, is very relatable right now. A lot of people feel that way. The more people that hear it and share their feelings with me. So yeah. ooh la la is a little bit more confident and then social anxiety is a little bit more, you know, you can be confident and still not be okay all the time. Yeah. And I've heard that about a lot of performers, which I think a lot of them cover really well. Cause you think, wow, there's, they seem so confident and outgoing, but do you think part of what draws you to this maybe is the songwriting? Cause that is a very introspective and introverted kind of thing. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I have a very, a spiritual experience as I'm writing, I, I very much channel something bigger than me and, and listen and see like what experiences are coming up and what I do want to pull from. And it's, it is healing for myself. And it, it definitely has gotten me through my entire life writing music. But when you go to produce that music, you realize that there's actually other people that feel the same way. And that's where the magic actually happens for me is I start to feel like I'm writing these songs for other people. And then I think back to my own time, you know, growing up and I think about the, the people that I was listening to that got me through a time. And so it's cool to now be in this industry and able to, to project my own experiences and hopefully help people. I have a little theory about being the youngest child. So tell me if this is true for you. Please share. <laughs> okay, because I'm I'm the youngest too in my family. And I think when you're the youngest, you're kind of the fly on the wall. A lot of times people just act like you're not there. You're just this, you know, kid, you know, we, we can talk freely. You know, it'll just, you know, he won't even understand it kind of thing. And I think maybe that's why you're such a good songwriter you think that you were kind of that fly on the wall growing up and you kind of got privy to a lot of people's, you know, personal thoughts and feelings? Absolutely. I think everyone was like, oh, Carly's over there dancing in the corner, singing her little song and is not hearing this very grown up conversation or, you know, they also made sure to share their opinions with me and they still do. <laughs> um, it, I don't want to call it lectures because I love them, but there is a lot of like, you're not allowed to view this in this way that will make you a bad person or that that is not cool or whatever. So they like, 
they would be talking amongst themselves or amongst their friends. And then a lot of the time they would turn it into a lesson if they did know that I was listening and they would be like, so if you ever go about this situation in this way, maybe consider X, Y, and Z. And it's hilarious now because they still do it. (laughs) And I'm like, we're all adults. And I appreciate that you guys are, you know, helping me out here to be a good human, but also I, you've taught me this when I was eight, you know, or whatever, like we've had this conversation. So it's, it's a funny experience. Um, I released Ooh La La on my birthday and they all were just beside themselves that I was approaching my late twenties. They were like, what has happened to the time? And so, yeah, I do agree with your theory, but. Thank you. <laughs> yes, <laughs> well, I do well, agree. <laughs> well, the other thing I would add, and especially from a performer point of view and a songwriter it's that you're not only privy, but when you're, when you're the youngest, they're always talking to you or at you. You're always listening. You know, they're not always, you know, wanting to hear your point of view on things. Do you think that kind of gets bottled up? So when you finally get to write a song, you know, that's your chance to finally express yourself. 100% agree. And I think it's also, you know, we, there's the other theory that the youngest kid has this spotlight and they're the baby and everyone's catering towards them. But in reality, it's also a lot of fighting for fighting to be a part of the conversation and fighting to be a part of the thing that they're doing. And it's a lot of proving yourself over your younger years. Like, no, take me to wherever you're going. Like I can hang, you know, and let me be a part of the conversation. I have something to add. And of course, as a kid, maybe we don't have the best information that we could add to whatever they're talking about. But anytime you give me a microphone, I for sure want to tell you my opinion because it's like, now I can, you know, now I can be in this space where I'm able to speak to your point. So writing music is a huge part of that. And it's made me want to reach more people because of that experience of my upbringing. So what would you say is the theme of the Ruby album that'll be coming out? So the theme is, it's basically a kaleidoscope of tracks um, that are meant to empower, I would say. Um, There's, it, it takes you through this experience of living, you know, so if I can backtrack, I grew up in the mountains and that's where my EP radiant was written. And that's kind of what that's about is being in nature and being myself and figuring out how I'm going to be Carly Hanley as a person. And then I moved to Chicago and I wrote Ruby based on my experience in Chicago. I was in this big city. I was working this big job. Then I got fired. And, you know, my first track is called my way. And it's like, you want me to do this thing that I'm supposed to do. That's a social norm, but no, like I tried that. It didn't work. I'm not going to make that mistake twice. I'm going to do my own thing now and I'm going to do it my way because that's how I feel I should live my life. And then it goes into social anxiety, which is, you know, this experience of trying to do it your way, trying to do your thing. But what am I doing here? Cause this is also really anxiety ridden and that's really hard. And then ooh la la is like, I kind of want a boyfriend and I kind of want to have this experience or this adventure with someone, whether it's one night or a long period of time. And 
So I'm going to get fancy and I'm going to take this back to a time when there wasn't technology and there wasn't all these distractions. And I'm going to do that. I'm going to chase after who I want. And then the next song is about finding my best friend and, and maybe we should take it to the next level, you know, finding love in my best friend who is my current boyfriend now, which is really fun. Um, I'm dating someone that I've known since childhood and it's all about, we could be good together and let's go have fun. And that's kind of like a Shania Twain pull of like this awesome beat and electric guitars and everything's happy. And then it's like, maybe could you not call me because you kind of suck. And all these songs are about different people. Right. But it kind of flows of like your experience of life. And then it's, I miss you. And I want to, I want to go forward with you, but I can't, and you're not around. And so now I'm going to go too far too soon with someone else. And that song is called too far too soon. And then it goes into discotheca, which is all about partying in another country and not falling in love at a discotheca because it's very <laughs> easy to do. And then it all wraps up with running, which is a very heavy EDM song about the fact that freedom comes when when I stop running and basically to just live in the moment and be present. And all of that together, to me, that theme is just the roller coaster of becoming an adult and finding your way, um, especially in your twenties. And that's how I want people to view it when they listen. Well, it seems like the right album for the right time in your life. That is a true statement. <laughs> Definitely is. Cause you know, we think we know everything, you know, when we're 12 and then 19 and, you know, we go through, you know, so many phases and especially like in late twenties, anticipating thirties, isn't there always like we're a know-it-all and then we go through this, oh my goodness, I feel like I know nothing. Exactly. And I think that's maybe the theme throughout life. Like you kind of figure out childhood and then you go to college and then you feel like you know nothing and then you figure out college and then you go to the real world and you get super slapped in the face and then you think you know everything and then something like getting fired or a breakup or something big happens and you have to just keep resetting and that's the part of life that I actually love. I love the low moment and and looking at that scenario as something that I can make beautiful or into something else not to sound cliche but I do really self-analyze anytime there's a big thing that happens. I'm like, cool. What is this pointing me in the direction to what lesson did I learn from this? How is this making me a better person? Because when you look at things in the eyes of just big failures, that growth doesn't happen. You don't, you don't move forward into the place that you want to move to. Well, it seems like you got to experience early on what a lot of people especially career driven people learn, you know, decades later, they give their life to a company and then realize, oh, the company didn't care as much about me as I did about them, you know, and especially post COVID with layoffs or, or job changes. Do you think when, when you lost that job, do you think you got kind of got an early dose of that to kind of reassess, you know, how much do I want to be defined by a corporate job? That's exactly what happened. And I'm actually really grateful that it happened before COVID because I would have used COVID as an excuse. Everyone's getting laid off. This is where the world's at, you know, but it, it didn't happen then. It happened a year before that. And so 
there was this part of me that got the experience of starting over. And I think it was a huge thing in my personal life. I really didn't want to fail. I didn't want to be a failure. And people say, oh, she worked so hard in college and got this big job and then she lost it. She must have done something wrong. That was like a, a big thing for me. And so pivoting it to like, no, like that wasn't where I was supposed to be anyway. I am grateful for that experience. I have people that I've taken from that experience that have become some of my best friends. I've had, you know, great producing luck with my music videos now because of that time in my life when I was doing that on a big scale. But that's it. You know, I'm not supposed to be there. And I'm very comfortable with that now. But to your point, it it definitely it shouldn't happen in your early twenties. Like it should happen later. Cause it did affect my confidence and it did affect how I looked at my life. However, I'm very grateful for that. Cause it got me to right now being on this podcast is like a direct correlation of that event in my life. You know what I mean? And that's awesome to be now a couple of years later, looking back at that. Well, do you think you're, I don't want to say role model, but like, do your friends kind of come to you for advice? Do you think, oh, Carly, you know, career and she's creative, you know, she's got a good relationship. Are you like the one in your group they come to for that advice? I would love to say yes right now because they're all going to listen to this. And I would love to say <laughs> that I am the highest high. Um, but I mean, it's very my friend group is, is amazing. It's very reciprocated everything that we do, these big conversations that we have. Um, however, I will say that the part that I get to guide a lot of people in is the corporate career part, because it's really hard to imagine freelancing and not knowing where your money's going to come from, chasing your passion and not knowing how that's going to work out and putting your vulnerable feelings out. Um, those two things, I, I tend to really hype them up to do that when they do have a passion that they want to pursue. And sometimes that passion is working for a corporation. Some of them really love that. And so I'm like, cool, do that. Do you want to be full-time? Do you want to be freelance? Okay. You want to be full-time. What are you going to do on the side so that you're not getting burnt out by that? Those are more the conversations that I tend to have. Um, and my relationship is absolutely incredible. And I'm super grateful for it. And I think a lot of, a lot of people see that happiness in me, but those conversations are more the day-to-day -day stuff. Like how do you and Mike handle this type of scenario, <laughs> you know, or you think, and then I ask them the same questions. So it's all reciprocated. So I think especially, you know, for Carly, the songwriter who, you know, spends time thinking about these things and being, you know, poetic about it, that does kind of give a unique perspective, don't you think? Because a lot of us, we don't examine any of these issues. We might be irritated or dissatisfied, but we don't really dig in and analyze a lot of these issues. That's a really great point. I actually had never thought of it that way, but I think that's why my thoughts are a little bit more collected about certain topics is because I've already spent a lot of time thinking about it, translating it into words, like that's the process of writing lyrics um, and translating it into feelings, right? Which is the process of writing music. So by doing that, I'm actually processing a lot of emotions 
um, that I'm able to then share both through the music and also just through casual conversations. I also, I, during the time of Ruby, when I was writing it, I had two months to write it. I wrote it uh, November and December, and we started recording in January. And in that time, I wrote 40 songs because I was trying to pick the top ones out of that. So, and we picked the top eight, my team and I. But oh, wow. during so you're you're time, prolific. Forty. That's a lot of material. Forty was a lot. <laughs> um, I wasn't I wasn't working. I was dedicating all my time to my family and to writing. And what guided me through that process was, and you may have heard of it because this is the podcast they're on, but it's called The Artist's Way. Um, by Julia Cameron. Julia Cameron, yeah, a classic. Yes, and that was recommended to me um, at the celebratory dinner for my EP, Radiant. My producer said, he's like, okay, you've put out all these singles, you've put out this EP, I've been waiting to tell you about this thing that is going to change your life. And if you're going to, and that was the dinner that I decided I wanted to write an album, which is why we didn't have a lot of time. But he was like, if you're going to write this album and you're going to do this, you are going to have to check out this book. And by doing it and doing the exercises, you know, the morning pages and all of the work, it just opened me up into this place um, that that actually did change my life with what we're talking about now. It It made me really quickly process my thoughts of like, oh, that would be a good song. And what am I, what's the point I'm trying to make in that song and how is that going to work? And I can sit down and just free write because of this experience in this book. And that is what really helped me collect my thoughts just as an adult, you know, and then also as an artist, it just is a beautiful, anyone out there listening, who's trying to achieve a creative goal, artist way is an amazing experience. Mm hmm especially just getting to the habit of writing, not worrying if it's good or bad, just getting into the habit. Exactly. She talks about the self-censorship and, and that's something that we all have until you have an experience like this. It's people who are just starting to write and they ask me how I do it. That's what I say. I'm like, you need to just write down all of your thoughts and it's not going to make any sense. And a big trick too, is to never read it. I don't want to go back and read my morning pages. I don't want to, I don't want to think about what I was, you know, splurging out on the page in that moment. Maybe if I were to ever write a book, I would go back and like figure out what I was thinking at those times, but that's the only, I don't want to go back because that's going to make me self-censor more. I'm going to read this thing that's meant to stop the self-censoring. And so that was a huge part of, of my artist journey and, and figuring out how to write lyrics that make sense to me. And led to 40 songs in quick succession. <laughs> yeah. The 40 songs was, those are shelved. There might, I don't know if anyone's ever going to hear the other 32, but <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe one day one of them will come out. Well, it's so freeing about that. Like the, the, the people are so precious about their art thinking, oh, I'm going to craft that one perfect song. It'll take me five years to write it. I'm not going to write anything else. I mean, everything's writing on that one song. But once you've created dozens of songs, doesn't that kind of take the pressure off? It's like every one doesn't have to be this, you know, brilliant, perfect song. 
for sure. And that's a mistake that I made for a very long time, which is why I was so far away from, from achieving this goal and this music dream. You know, it's, I, it's so scary to sit down at a piano with a blank page and, and make something out of that, even though no one is in the room with you, no one is going to read that page. Nothing is anchored on this, but for some reason, you know, you're your biggest, your own biggest critic. And that makes it a really difficult process. And I think actually, even before the artist way, my producer, Jason had said, you're, you should always be writing. Like, cause I had said something along the lines of what you had just stated. And he was like, no, what? Like I've wrote hundreds of songs that no one will ever hear. And I can go back to them, but really those 40, you know, got me to these eight. And that's kind of how I think about it. It's like, I had to go through all of those other songs to get to the one that stuck. And it was very obvious during the process when it stuck. And I actually had brought 11 to my team and together we had picked our favorite nine and we recorded nine. And then one of them was just, it just wasn't quite right. And we made that into ooh la la. And then we dropped another one, you know, it's all a creative process. And throughout that, I had to be really careful not to take that personally because every step backwards is actually a step forwards. It's like, okay, this one didn't work. I'm going to go take a bubble bath and write some lyrics, you know, or whatever. Like I had to, to be vulnerable in a way that didn't hurt my creativity and didn't hurt myself. And that was actually the biggest thing that I gained from the experience was being able to show little voice memos and handwritten lyrics in a journal and be like, this is what I have. Let's make something, you know, like that's a really hard thing when it's not polished. And my team is just incredible at guiding me through that and being supportive and, and amping me up, you know, this is, this can be great. Let's make this great. And we did, we, I think we did an amazing job based on how these songs were started. Well, before we wrap up and I do a few uh, final questions, but I want to make sure everyone knows where to find you online and especially to watch both Ooh La La and the amazing River video. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, on YouTube, I am Carly Hanley Music and also on Instagram, Carly Hanley Music. And everywhere else, I'm Carly Hanley. I'm on TikTok, all of the um, digital streaming platforms and all the socials. It's Carly Hanley. So your song, Social Anxiety, could you share some of those lyrics? Yeah, <laughs> I would love to. Um, the one that just came to mind when you asked me to was, this party sucks, so I might as well leave. That's the hook. <laughs> um, and, you know, it, it talks a little bit about small talk and how painful that can be for an introvert. Um, trying to sound clever makes me want to talk never. Things like that it's really, it's really pulling on my experiences from younger age, from high school. And then that was kind of where I was imagining it. I was in the hallways and classrooms and people were trying to have a conversation with me and it was just super awkward and painful. And then I've polished that since then and have been able to have conversations that are productive or get through a conversation, whether I'm feeling anxiety or not. And that's kind of when it 
became this thing of like, all right, I tried. I came to the party. I did the thing that we're doing to be social, but I don't want to be here and that's okay. So I tried and now I'm going to go. And that kind of came later. You know, this party sucks. I might as well leave was something that I did not feel back in the day. I felt very obligated to be in that moment or in that conversation. I wanted friends. I wanted to be seen as someone who was cool or whatever high schoolers go through and that we all experience, you know, and then later it was like, it's actually cooler if I do what's good for me in this moment um, and, and address the anxiety um, by addressing anxiety and saying, you know, I recognize that you're there in my body and this sucks. That actually lessens it. And so I kind of liked this idea of, of this person who is all anxious and then is like, no, you know what? I don't want it. I don't want this anxiety in my life or I don't want to be here. So I'm going to get rid of my anxiety that way or whatever the conversation is internally. I enjoyed that putting that out there in that way. So this party sucks. So I might as well leave was the best that I could come up with that pretty much summed up all this, <laughs> these big words and poetry. It's like, it, it couldn't be poetic. It had to be, it had to be something that was so straightforward that made people remember it when they're feeling that way. And it makes me giggle and it makes me happy. You know, like it was just about that, that I didn't want to write this deep song which is how it started. Like I was sitting in an airport feeling anxious. So it started very deep and like, how am I going to get through feeling all these different people's energies and doing this thing so that I can get from point A to point B. And then I was like, let's make this one fun. And I had a, a guy that sounds like the biggest college guy voice you could possibly imagine, like the stereotypical guy at the very end, he was like, dude, this party sucks. <laughs> and we recorded it <laughs> and every, and I had all my friends come in and they were all doing the background vocals with me, which was also really fun because everyone was just like shouting and making party sounds. And then, you know, makes me want to talk never. And they all screamed never. And it was just like this awesome little party that we made that had zero anxiety. And it made the song just elevated it was it's just so much more fun because of that well do you think you know one thing when you meet new people at a party okay obviously you don't know them that well so there's going to be a little you know mindless chit chat but do you think part of the reason why it's sometimes uncomfortable is mindless chit chat becomes kind of irritating or it's kind of like you, you just want that shortcut to talk about something a little more substantial. Do you think part of it is just like, it's kind of hard to create mindless chit chat with people? For sure. And that's, that is my least favorite part of, of that experience. And that's the other lyric is like talking about the weather makes me want to talk never, you know, it's like, I don't want to do that. I want to connect with you. So let's cut to the chase. And and once I make that connection with someone, that quote unquote social anxiety goes away because you feel comfortable and the other person feels comfortable. And so what I've actually done, um, which kind of goes back to my roots of thinking of others, but it also in turn has helped me is 
I do kind of cut to the chase. You know, I maybe have one exchange and then I really ask that person as many questions as I can to make them feel good and feel like they're in this conversation. I'm hearing them. They're comfortable. And by doing that, it kind of anchors my anxiety and I'm able, and I'm more grounded in, in just having a conversation and not worrying about saying something wrong or what they think or any of those things. It just, I just get to learn about them. And if they want to reciprocate and learn about me, great. But also not on the top of my list for the agenda of that conversation. You know, like I just want to like get to know a new person, have human connection and move forward. And then my favorite thing to do just because I was living in corporate land for a little bit is like trying to figure out how that person fits into my overall puzzle. Like I'm like, what are we going to do together? Do you like shows? Do you like concerts? Oh, you do video production. Do you like directing? Do you want to direct something together? Do you want to do something, you know, whatever, like, Oh, you're a massage therapist. Can I book time with you? Whatever the like thing is, I'm like, let's take this to the next level And if I can't, then this conversation stays right here in this room. And that was great. But if I can move forward and actually build a connection with you in a relationship on something that we have common ground on, that is always so exciting to me. You're a bartender. Can you make martinis for my next video? (laughs) Actually, the bartender in Ooh La La is my boyfriend's brother that I've also known my whole life. <laughs> Which is hilarious. He had the perfect mustache for it. I was excited. I like that. So in the bathtub scene, was that a real martini you were drinking? Absolutely not. <laughs> oh, it God. was we actually rented that bathroom. Um, it was just someone's bathroom. And I found it online. And my director and I both, he actually had given it to me. He found it online. And we rented it by the hour, but we had, we had a smoke machine and that bathroom was a steam room. <laughs> so the smoke really? was all collecting. It was like a very fancy house, fancy bathroom. And the steam was all collecting. And the owners of the house were sitting downstairs watching TV or whatever. And we were upstairs. I had this crew of 15 people that were all in their master ba- bathroom. And so someone had to run down and ask for a martini glass. Cause we had forgotten that prop. And once I got in the bathtub, I knew that I needed to elevate it. So they ran down and got the martini glass. And the only thing that we had was in our craft service, we had frost Gatorade. And so that's what we poured (laughs) into the bottle because I wasn't going to ask these people for their alcohol. And so it was white Gatorade. And then the steam kept collecting. So after interrupting their afternoon to take over their master bathroom, ask for a martini glass, then we set the fire alarm off with all this steam. Oh, <laughs> and no. so then my boyfriend, who's actually the co-star in Ulala, was taking this giant like piece of equipment that was for lighting and just like waving the smoke detector throughout the whole bathtub scene. So he wasn't even around. He missed the spiciest part of the video that the only part he wasn't in, he didn't get to see because oh, he's no. out there just making sure that we didn't set this house fire alarm off again. So it was a crazy uh, experience, but no, not a real martini in that scene. <laughs> and people don't realize how hard it is to get a location. And then like, if you have a home, first of all, ne- never let a film crew come into your home because they I don't mean, realize how many people it'll be and how much gear they're dragging through, just the wear and tear to get it through the front door, you know, not hit their China cabinet along the way. 
Totally. And my team luckily had done this a lot. That's how we find a lot of locations in production land for commercials. And so they brought moving blankets and, you know, all these things and had, had all the gear set up downstairs and then would carefully carry things upstairs. So when you're working with pros, it's a little bit easier because they were super respectful. But the smoke machine, I got into the bathtub and was like, is this going to set off the fire alarm? And everyone was like, I don't think so. It's contained in this room. And 20 minutes later, we were all like, oh no, <laughs> we did this thing that now we have to undo. So yeah, it's kind of like when you, you're doing a state sale for someone, you always tell the people don't be at the house while we're selling off all your items. It's like, while we're filming at your house, just go far away. And when you come back, everything will be all cleaned up. Right, exactly. You don't need to worry about the damage because there won't be any. No, yeah, it's definitely. And, and, I'm, and I'm sure your crew is very safe, and 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 you knew what you're doing. Well, one final question. I don't know why this just popped into my head. This is a question I've never asked anyone before, but I picture you and your trusted girlfriends, and you just have to answer me this this question that is so baffling. I, th I think especially a lot of modern guys are, are just curious. What is it with with modern bachelorette party culture? When when did this become a thing <laughs> for packs of girlfriends to go out on the town on bachelorette parties and and then just have a barrel of fun? What what is that? Uh, do you do you have a friend who's had a gotten married and you've done the bachelor party thing? Yes. It's hilarious that you're saying this because my last three months, aside from making Ulala music video and trying to do these releases, I have gone to four weddings and I've been in two of them. Oh, <laughs> and wow. so I've actually had to do so many bachelorette parties the last couple months. And I'm going to tell you that it is not something that I love. Like, I think it is ridiculous. I'm going to do it, you know, like we all are, but <laughs> it's not, it's not a thing that I'm happy about coming to be, but I will say that my goal, anytime that I'm in a wedding for someone and going to their bachelor party is just to make them laugh and giggle and have a great time. And so whether that be at a house all together or downtown, you know, going out together and all wearing sparkles or some whatever thing that you want to do. I just try to anchor it to like, let's dance a bunch and let's giggle a bunch. And that kind of helps me get through the theme of ridiculous bachelorette parties that I've had to experience <laughs> for the last year. I <laughs> see it's gotten to the point. I suspect there are actually groups of women out there where none of them are getting married. They just go out pretending one of them is, is a bachelorette. Just so they can get VIP treatment wherever they go out when they're going out on the night. If that's the case, that is hilarious <laughs> that people would do that. <laughs> but no, it's, I'm actually, you know, I have my, I have girlfriends, but I don't have a girl group. It's very much from different times of my life. Everyone lives in different parts of the country. Um, I actually have a really strong male friend group. Um, like a couple of those pockets that we all hang out all the time. And so I go to a lot of their girlfriends or fiancés, bachelorette parties or things like that. And that is a lot harder for me because I'm like, I want to go to Vegas and go 
gamble and do whatever you guys are doing. Like now I got to dress up in pink and do this thing. You know, like I, I actually lean more towards the male energy for my friends. And then I have a close, like four to six girls that are just one from each moment in my life. I'm just stuck on, on thinking of that movie, um, Bridesmaids. Yeah, that's my yeah, life yeah. for the last two years. <laughs> you see, and wouldn't it be fun? I don't know if anyone's done it, but it's kind of some clever music video that kind of does a play on, on the bachelorette party night kind of thing, but with some weird twist to it. I love that idea. <laughs> that'd be fun to explore because it seems like you know now with like the barbie movie coming out people are exploring you know the, the they want to kind of reconstruct or rethink a lot of preconceived notions on things yeah and i think there's a way to do it like the carly hanley way would be to make that lead character a very strong confident woman who's doing the thing you know like and I have not, obviously none of us have seen the Barbie movie, but I hope, and it seems like they did that. Like this, she's going on an adventure and she's doing this thing and she's not just a dumb stereotypical girl. And I think that is what's cool about what's happening right now with all of these trends. And that's what I would do. I, I definitely would want to make it into, you know, yes, it's a bachelorette party and we're all wearing disco sequence outfits, but we go play poker or <laughs> do something that's, you know, a little bit against the stereotype. And I love that idea. Exactly. Well, I want to give you the last word here. And it just seems like you've put your heart and soul into the upcoming Ruby album, talking about relationships and just, you know, being a multifaceted person. And I guess that's what, you know, I'd like you to share. You know, there's so much pressure to be, you know, a certain way nowadays for everyone. But, you know, we all, all are multifaceted. And just what was the freedom with this album to be able to show off lots of different a um, aspects of yourself and not just being say, hey, I have to be one way all the time. That was the goal. And I think that's what's been the biggest challenge for me as an artist and as a person is, you know, identifying who I am or where I'm going to go or how I'm going to do things, you know, trying to have a consistent personality that everyone experiences in the same way is something that I do now have. But getting to that point was very difficult because I had so many different interests. You know, I grew up in the mountains and then I lived in, the, but I always wanted to be in the city. So then I lived in the city and then all of a sudden it's like, where are you going this weekend? Oh, I'm going to go ski. Like I was, a, you know, I was a skier for my entire childhood. So I'm going to go do that. But then afterwards we're going to go to a Red Rock show. And then after that, I'm going to come back here and go to the spa or whatever. Like I have all these different things. So honing that in and making something creative out of it, I feel like is exactly what Ruby is. And being the insecure person who's single and lost and also being the confident person who's found their, you know, their best friend and being confident in that and being a person who's lost in their career, but also confident in being lost in their career. Like all of those juxtapositions is kind of what made Ruby. And it's why each track sounds a little bit different and it, it pulls from different places. And I hope that it does the same for everyone that listens to it and they can reflect on those times that they've had. And as you approach your thirties, 
what are you most looking forward to in that decade of your life? Cool. Well, I'm only 27, so I don't want to, <laughs> as of Friday, I'm 27. Well, to so me, I'm uh, worried. <laughs> well, I'm, I'll, I'll hit 60 this year. So for me, 27 oh, and 30 are about the, the same, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm really just looking to explore myself more. That's, that's every, every birthday, every year. That's kind of what I think about. And I'm super excited to be going down this path, um, to actually have music out and be talking to people about my music and touring, you know, that's the goal in the next two years, I would love to be on a tour and just making people feel something and kind of honing in my craft and being the artist that I've always been publicly is, is something that I'm super excited about. You know, what's cool about turning 30 is you not only I'm feel only free... 27, Kelly, I'm not turning 30. <laughs> I'm projecting. I'm saying, I'm saying for many, many, many years from now, when you turn 30, what's cool yes. about it? And especially now <laughs> me at 59 is you not only feel freer to leave the party early if you're not having fun, but you're you're a lot more willing just to say no and not even go to the party to begin with. Totally. Is that cool? I love that. What are you most excited about for your big 60? Ooh, turning the tables. You know, you know what part of it is? You want to stay in shape and all that, but you just you you don't just uh Every little flaw you kind of let slide. You're just not so sharply focused on every little bad thing. You just let a lot of it slide. I love that. <laughs> Isn't that nice? But you also get a second wind where you kind of feel young again. Yeah, and you're experiencing like the glory days a little bit as later in life. Like you get to not be so worried about what your job is or where you're going to be next or what the next move is. You get to kind of just be, and that's what I love about, I'm watching my parents go through that right now where they are just so excited to not have to worry about all the things that they've been worried about for the last 40 years, you know? And don't you think your circle of friends helps that? Because when you're in isolation, you kind of magnify all your perceived flaws or, you know, whatever. But when you're with people and laughing, it goes a long way to kind of reducing you just being so self-conscious and, you know, just analyzing ourselves. It does. And that's been my goal um, is to just kind of share as many connections as I can with people and enjoy those moments while finding the balance of also being okay with hanging out with myself, you know, like that's a hard, a hard balance to find. And that's what I've been working on the most. So I agree. <laughs> well, her name is Carly Hanley. The current single is Ooh La La from the upcoming LP Ruby. By the way, will, will this be on vinyl as well? I think it will be. I'm working to get it printed right now. Um, I'm still working all of that out, but I would really love it to be mainly because I grew up in a house where there was vinyl records playing all the time. And there was also a lot of mix CDs all the time. So I'm like trying to figure out <laughs> if I want CD and vinyl and just make it all happen for my inner child. 
to feel at home with all of my own music. <laughs> well, I, I hope you have a big uh, opening or debut bash for the album, live concert. Uh, but but if you are and, and, and you're performing, I, I just I just hope a, a, a bachelorette party does not descend upon the club and kind of take the focus off you. Copy that. I appreciate the well wishes. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I love bachelorette parties. We're just having fun. That's good. I love them too. Who doesn't? It's just a bunch of fun. All right. Well, take care. Really enjoyed. And I really hope I get a, a talk to you again after your album comes out. Thanks so much, Kelly. I really enjoyed it. And I appreciate you having me on the show. This was my first ever podcast and it was an amazing experience. So thank you. This has been the Rising Star Podcast with your host, Kelly Hughes.